What can we do to ensure that we do grow with agents that do have a growth mindset, that are learning based, that are willing to be held accountable? Because we know if those things are in place, that we are going to get agents that will work. Hey guys, it's Brian Eisenhower. Welcome to the show today. Today, I want to talk to you about something that we hear from a lot of our clients across the country. As you know, we coach the leaders of some of the highest performing teams and, and, and broker owners around the world, you know, definitely in North America. You know, I think there's a constant, constant gripe that real estate leaders have. It's, you know, how do I get more agents that will actually work and produce? And there is such a small, I mean, you always hear about the 80-20 principle, right? Like 20% of all agents do 80% of the business and the other 80% you know, won't. That's kind of a hard principle to fight out there. So there is to some degree, we, we need to kind of accept that, 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 you know, almost any agent mix, no matter if it's in your local MLS or in your city or your state, or even inside your office, that mix tends to kind of form over time where you just got this handful of agents you know, relative to the masses that work harder and, and get better results. Or maybe they worked harder, you know, throughout their career. And now they're not working as hard, but they're getting the results from, from the labor they did earlier in their career. Who knows? But the point of the matter is, so we do have to accept that type of agent mix to some degree. However, that doesn't mean we as leaders can't move the needle. Um, 80-20 can easily turn into 30-70 or even 60-40 or depending on the size of your organization, especially if you get into the real estate teams, you know, because there is a little bit more consideration moving back and forth from leadership to agents by way of leads, accountability, you'll act, often see a, you know, a much more diversified mix of production on real estate teams as opposed to a traditional brokerage where agents are just kind of hanging their, their license and not receiving business and, or as much accountability and mentoring back and forth. So there is a little bit of that difference, but I think the leadership gripe still remains. The leadership gripe is, man, how do I get some agents that will actually work? You know, um, How do I recruit realtors that will actually produce, you know, actually do some sort of business generation activity or how will they be willing to even be held accountable? Like how, you know, usually, you know, if, you know, we get an agent that they'll say, Hey, I don't have the results. You know, I need this. I need that. I'm not selling anything. I'm not making enough money. So what do they do? They start blaming and justifying. And oftentimes the recipient of that blame is the leader. Kind of a kind of a difficult thing to hear when you're the leader, especially when you know they aren't doing the activities they need to do to produce. So that can really drive a lot of leaders away from their goals because most leaders get into a brokerage or running a team with some expectation that they will have to actually sell less real estate themselves and at least gradually tone down on their own production and rely on the production of the agents. And I think that's true of any business owner. Any business owner in any industry is you know, hoping to hire and, and recruit and, and grow their business through people so they themselves don't have to be so much of a laboring or. And there's a lot of broker owners that would like to get completely out of production. Our team leaders that want to get completely out of production. Typically, once we get our toe wet with stepping out of production, we just want to get out a little bit more at the same time as always making more income. So those two things really, in my opinion, need to be in place. We need to have a goal of always wanting to increase our income while also decreasing 
our workload as a leader. And if you can have those two things always gradually moving forward and, uh, you know, on, you'll see the motivation will remain to be a good leader because it's hard to be a good leader and you need to be motivated to do it. And too much of your own agents blaming, complaining, and justifying and, and potentially even leaving for greener pastures elsewhere will start to actually drain that motivation and make you as a leader want to quit and just kind of say, you know what, I'm happy with who I got, I'm done. Because you need to grow in one way or the other by either increasing agent production or agent count, hopefully both, in order to generate enough income for you to be able to step out of production yourself, whether it be all or a little bit of production. But too often we, we you know, we see that the frustrations and say we don't want it. And that, you know, just like with anything, you know, you have to fight through those obstacles and, and learn to move forward. That's what top leaders do. Top leaders don't just put a lid on their own growth by, you know, creating limiting beliefs like I've already tried it and I don't want it. I mean, that's like trying to learn how to surf. You know, surfing's hard. And if, if you just try it a little bit, you're, you're, you're going to hate it <laughs> because it's painful. But it isn't until you get good and you stand up and you actually ride a wave, which is usually a lot of attempts down the road before you get there, that you say, man, that is awesome. I love surfing. Same is true with golf or anything. You, you need to be proficient at it before you can determine as to and make, a, make this determination as to whether you like it or not or, or, or whether you want it or not. So and that's very, very much true with recruiting. We, most leaders just don't give it a chance with growth in general. They don't give it a chance. And they just say, I'm happy with who I got. I don't want those type of people anyway, et cetera, et cetera. But there are things we can do. And, and that's what we have to remember. That's what we're going to talk about today is what can we do to ensure that we do grow with agents that do have a growth mindset, that are learning-based, that are willing to be held accountable. Because we know if those things are in place, that we are going to get agents that will work and will produce and, and will perform. And those types of people that are busy and are seeing results because you helped provide it to them, you didn't just give them leads, that they're actually working, trying to generate and convert themselves. They actually see and experience that symbiotic relationship between leader and agent, and they see the difference there. And, 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 and they just want more of that. So they aren't going to spend their time running around complaining and justifying and blaming. They'll get out of that victim mindset and, and get more into a production-based mindset because you've created a production-centric atmosphere by A, bringing on talented people that we know have a mindset to be held accountable, and B, providing an atmosphere that's production-centric, that is focused on them increasing their production. But it all starts with getting those types of people. So how do we do that? And it's hard. I mean, it's hard. You, you know, you're talking to a guy, I've been in real estate for 30 plus years, I've ran small brokerages, large brokerages. I, I still own brokerages in multiple states. Uh, some of those hundreds of agents, large and small ones, mortgage companies, all that kind of stuff over my entire career. Ran a real estate team myself a long time ago, kind of dating myself, so I won't give you dates. So I've had a lot of experience, recruited thousands of agents myself. 
And I'll tell you one thing I can tell you after recruiting thousands of agents, it's really hard to tell which ones are going to be productive, which ones are going to actually do the work because they all say they're going to. I mean, if you tell someone, hey, all you got to do is come over and you know get your database together and just stay in contact with it and spend an hour or two a day reaching out to people. Everybody's like, yes, 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 yes. I mean, that's not actually, you know, asking them to dig a ditch or, you know, labor in, you know, the fields. Not the hardest work there, you know, being an auto mechanic. I mean, you're not working hard. You're not getting dirty. And we're not working long either. Just an hour or two a day on some sort of lead generation activity. Five days a week. Everybody's saying yes to that. But then which ones show up? It's very few. So everybody will say that. And it's really hard to tell which ones are going to do it. That's, I mean, I've been wrong and I'm still wrong. I'm reading books by their covers. There's agents I thought would never do it, wouldn't have any success doing it, that have succeeded at high levels. I can give you guys that have terrible accents, that are just not people people, that, uh, you know, just don't look, you know, classy enough or professional enough. They're too young. They're too old. They don't speak right. I've seen all of them succeed because they put the time in. And then I've seen tons of people who I thought were just going to crush it that for whatever reason couldn't make themselves do the work. So it's almost like you have to give them all a test spin and let them sit in the chair and see if they're going to work. So, you know, and then see if they work out. So, there is a certain degree where you got to do that. You got to be okay with not being able to judge every book by its cover. So if you bring them on and they don't do the work, they may move on. You may ask them to move on, or you may just have to be okay with them languishing there and hanging their license with you, depending on the size or type of your organization. And don't beat yourself up about it or get upset or, or angry if they leave. So you got to grow some thick skin there as a leader because you just didn't know until you tried them out and took them for a test spin. So there is some of that that we got to remember. And that's hard for people to see them leave you, blame you, even though you know they did no work and they go on to somebody else. That does happen. Denial is a real thing. Shame is something that a lot of agents do not do well with, right? You know, they don't want to own the blame themselves. And there's some shaming there. It's a real hard emotion for people to feel. So they'll blame and justify and complain instead. So you got to get quick with dealing with that. And you got to grow tough skin. And that's how big organizations grow. That's how large brokerages go. That's how large teams grow. They just get real thick with that. And they, they, they give everybody a shot, see who works maybe after the first six months to a year. And if they don't, they move on and they don't get all upset and angry and feel broken up with. And I remember over my career, I, I got there. I went through a, a change, you know, where I grew thick skin and, you know, I was hurt every time an agent wanted to leave and it, and it really bothered me. And it made me want to change my whole business model. It made me want to react to it too much. And then I started to realize that there's an ebb and flow to real estate agents. Many of them go to three to four to five brokerages and a very small percentage do exceed like we've already discussed. So I got to grow thick skin and allow them to move on. So there is that as well. And, and, and that's important to remember. However, there is a way to kind of limit the amount of times you have to do that. So I think it starts with, again, creating that production-centric environment up front and making sure we're getting an agent that wants to grow. And we do that through a process in, in our recruiting. And, and these are things, I mean, you can get really in-depth with. A, I highly recommend you get one of our leadership coaches at ICC because they will actually coach you through this because you're going to hit a lot. It's kind of like a you know, a three steps forward, two steps back process with growth uh, leadership, 
increasing uh you know our, our organization's production and increasing your agent count through recruiting there's lots of obstacles you're hit so, so knowledge is not key here you know just learning how to do it is typically not enough you're going to need help throughout it but if you do just want to rely on knowledge and not get a coach we do have a course on recruiting and growth management systems as well too they're online courses at eisenhowercoaching.com you can take there as well but one of the things we do coach to all of our leadership clients is the idea of a needs analysis where we actually sit down and in recruiting appointments or, or you know, maybe it's Zoom or in person or whatnot, I prefer to see them though, staying off the phone's bad, you know, and or staying off the phone's a good idea. We want to sit down and have a meeting and that meeting needs to take at least 45 minutes because you're going to start out just by learning about them. Because if you want to know if they're going to produce or not, you got to learn about them, right? And, you know, the first half of that meeting, I, I think they usually run about an hour, but at least 45, you know, the first, let's say, let's say it's an hour, the first half hour, you're going to spend in the needs analysis, trying to find out what they need and, and you know, wh where they're trying to go, what motivates them. And similar to a listing appointment, you know, why do you want to sell? We got to get, we got to find out what's motivating them. And typically we need to kind of get them focused on the fact they probably want more income and they want to be more efficient and work, work less. That's pretty much everybody's goal in business, or it should be. Like, I want more income, but I want free time too. You know, like, how do we, if, if we're not on that business plan, <laughs> we're on a bad business plan. And we get off that all the time, uh, especially in real estate and seasonality. You know, in winter, we always want more income. And in, in, in the busy season, the harvest season, usually the spring and summer, you know, we want more free time. But we got to keep both in mind at all times. And, and coaches help you do that. Okay, so I'm going to take a quick break to talk to you all about something I'm really excited about. This year's ICC Summit is happening in San Diego at the Paradise Point Resort on its own island, surrounded by beaches in the middle of San Diego's beautiful Mission Bay. I mean, could there be a better venue? We have the entire resort and island to ourselves. And one thing that makes the ICC Summit so special are all of the great people that will be there. That's what I always hear after one of our summits. They always say, man, I met some great people too. Networking and new friendships are formed and unlike most real estate conference, the mastermind sessions at the ICC Summit are exciting, fast paced and led by many of North America's top producing agents, team leaders and broker managers, not to mention our team of elite coaches and some well-known industry leaders too. We also believe in an interactive and participatory environment and that that provides the richest learning experience out there for our attendees. No boring keynote speeches here. It's a high powered three day event, September 6th through 9th, 2023. You can register today at ICCSummit2023.com. That's ICCSummit2023.com. You can find that link in the podcast description too. Register today and use the promo code PODCAST for $100 off your registration fee. So I hope to see you all in San Diego. And now let's get back to the podcast. So the first thing we do is do that needs analysis. We're going to learn about them and we're going to go through their past, their present, and you know their future goals and their future fears. So we start with the past. We learn about where they've been because they got to tell us that or, or it's going to come out all the time. So we got to figure out where they've been, what was their previous job, maybe the previous brokerage, their current brokerage, and, and get them to tell us and, and tell us what they liked and disliked about each of those positions. And we don't have to go too far back if they're older. 
I don't care if they worked at McDonald's when they were 21 years old. Let's get into the professions, you know, the career jobs, get up into those and try to find out because if not, they're going to want to tell us, trust me, it'll come out when you're trying to make points later. So let's get it out of the way now. At the same time, we can kind of find out what they liked and disliked. And if they started to dislike people that held them accountable and they disliked production standards and they dislike, I mean, you're going to start to learn about this person, you know, a lot. If they're always blaming every broker at every stop along their career path or every leader they had or every manager, or they're always blaming every organization, you know, we're going to start to see some red flags here. Like, hmm, they're going to probably do the same to you, right? So all the, you know, learning from their likes and dislikes at each stop of the way is really, really important and how positive they were if they talk positively about each stop. And I had learned this, I like that. I had no problem. I just moved on for career advancement or I just switch jobs for more pay or I switch jobs because I got married and we moved. You know, those are good reasons to move, right? They're just, they're, they're, they're looking for upward growth and momentum. If they're blaming, justifying, complaining a lot, now we've got some massive red flags, right? So we do learn a lot by getting their past. Plus we get all that stuff out of the way. Then we jump into their present. Where are we at right now? This is really important, right? Especially if they're at another brokerage right now. And that, and what I do to get them there is I ask them, where are they on a scale of one to 10? So on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being the highest, where do you rank yourself? And 10, I really want to establish what a 10 is because I don't want them to say a nine because that's how most people take recruiting appointments. They don't want to move. No one likes change. So they'll put themselves up there at an eight or nine. I'll say, hey, you know, a 10 is you performing at your peak performance. I mean, you can't do any better. This is You are succeeding and selling as much real estate and your career is as best as you can be. You have peaked out. So I want to attack their ego a little bit. So they actually admit, oh no, I could do a lot better, but for these things, right? I actually want a lower number here and, and you'll see why. So I really want to establish 10 as being you, their own business utopia at their highest potential. And then I'll say, so where would you be? And let's say they say a six or a seven, you know, I'll say, okay, great. Six or seven. Okay. So what's missing? Why aren't you a 10? So now I've established there's a gap. So they actually do have a need. They're not just, okay. I'm fine. Everything's good, which is what most decently producing agents will tell you. I actually want to get my foot in the door and put a little wedge in there and kind of crack open that door a little wider. And I've kind of done that by getting them to say a low number. Now they'll actually admit, and this is what coaches need to do too. And leadership is coaching. And if you're going to lead this person, you need to kind of get into a coaching relationship with them and learn how to do it. Or they're going to just tell you they're great. They're okay. Leave me alone because I know you're going to give me work. So you got to be able to wedge in there and remind them their goals aren't being met. Not, not totally. So let's say they say it's a six, right? I'll say, okay, what's missing? You know, what would help you get to a 10? What needs to happen? And then I want to get a list. I don't want to deep dive in any of them yet. I want to say, okay, great. So you need a bigger office. Great. You need uh, more space. Great. You need more leads. Great. More knowledge, training accountability. Great. You know, whatever. I want to keep getting all that. Don't start adding solutions or asking, you know, too much about any one of those. Every time I'm saying, is there anything else? Okay, great. Anything else that would help you? And remember, you're trying to get them to focus here like a leader does. And usually they need more income. So more business, we want to make sure more business is a part of it. Remember, we're trying to create a production centric atmosphere here. Production section means they want to produce more. So we, we, we need to get an idea where people are focused on production a little bit more than they're used to in most organizations. So we're, we're really trying to move them there. So that needs analysis needs to kind of focus them in on that. 
if they say they're a one or a two on a scale of one to 10, I mean, you might be signing this person up today. This person's really unhappy. They're really struggling. Then after we've done that, after we've gone through past, present, then we're going to move into, okay, so where do you want to go? Tell me about your future. Like what, what does a 10 look like for you? What are you going to do if you do increase your production tremendously and you do get more time and your income does quadruple? What are you going to do with it? And then I want to hear, I want to buy a house in a better neighborhood so my kids can live there. Or I want to send my kids to the really nice college or I want to get a retirement house or you know whatever it is, a second home. And then I want to dig into that. I want to, you know, so this is that future, you know, pleasure. I want to, I want to find out what, what are you going to get and how's that going to make you feel and how will that make your spouse feel? I want to tap into emotion. So I'm going to ask about feelings. How will that make your kids feel? You know, how will that make your grandparents feel to get a house near them so they can see the grandkids and the kids can go to a better school. How would that make your wife feel? You know, I really want to get them to start experiencing what it would be like to live in that happy place that they're not in right now, because that's what motivates them to do tough things like move to your company and do tough things like start lead generating. But you've got to bring those motivations to the forefront repeatedly. And because when they do join your company, you have to do that again. You have to remember those things. You're going to have to kind of keep a book on them, keep that written down, keep it in a digital file for them so that when you are meeting with them regularly to try to make sure and hold them accountable, you got to remind them, man, you're not doing the work. You told me you wanted all these things. You just got to keep that motivation in front of them. That's what leaders do. Don't expect them to just have it. Don't expect them to just have it. That's what you need to have. You're the leader. If they all did that on their own, they wouldn't need you. They'd be competition. They'd be competing leaders. <laughs> it's good for you that they need you for that, right? So we got to remember that too as a leader. You know that, that the fact that they need you to motivate them is what you know a big part of what makes you the leader, right? So and I know that's you know it's like, huh? Yeah. Well, that's it. They'll compete with you if they don't. So and that's that needs analysis. So we go into that future pleasure, right? And then we're basically going to talk about, then, you know, we're going to come back and weave in our prescription, right? Uh, after we do that needs analysis, we're going to talk about, you know, here's what we provide. Uh, and here's how we do that. And this is where it gets really important because this is where we put up the, you know, we've, we've told them we do that. We've explained to them, you know, now I'm going to actually pull up the nitty gritty and see how they're okay with it, right? So I'm going to pull up one of the team dashboard. And, and, and you know, if you're an organization or a brokerage, you need to have a dashboard of some sort where you track production. Just like running a business, if you don't track your activity-based indicators and your results-based indicators to some degree, at least, you know, you're not really running a business here. You don't have any dashboard showing what you need to do and how it correlates with what's been accomplished. And unfortunately, it's a very small percentage of uncoached teams and organizations and brokerages that do this the, the right way. You don't have to get crazy with it. You don't have to live in spreadsheets all the time, but you do need to track some things. Most people track like, you know, number of listings they have or closings or pendings or sales volumes. Those are KPIs, key, key performance indicators, but they're results-based indicators. So they're only, we can't do anything about them. We just, you know, the market happens and that's what we did. They're in the rear view mirror. You know, they're, they're in the past. They're not actionable. So we have to have some sort of activities-based indicators, right? On real estate teams, we're holding agents accountable to, you know, contacts, training, you know, sessions conducted, contracts written, things like that. And, and you know, we, we help all of our clients create in our growth ma management systems course. You can learn how to do it as well, too. And, you know, with a coach, of course, we can help you set them up and build them for you. They're very cheap, easy. You know, there, there's elaborate ways to do them. There's easy ways to do them. I, I'm kind of old school. I don't care. Whatever gets it done for cheap is, is fine for me because they all work the same. 
you know, we're going to track those things and hold people accountable, right? And then you're going to have results on there as well, too. And, and you know, with brokerages, same thing, a little different metrics. Typically, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, a lot of recruiting efforts, tracking that, you know, tracking different agent engagement, like training courses held, coaching appointments held, agent game, engagement contacts. We're reaching out to people to make sure they're coming in for our training sessions, for our mastermind sessions, for our sales meetings. You know, we're really trying to focus and track for that. And hopefully that when we recruit agents to brokerages, you know, we, we, you know, our recruiters are actually showing all of our courses, all of our onboarding practices, all of all of those things we do in a production centric, you know, atmosphere to help agents sell more. Because if you want agents are going to sell more, you need to have an atmosphere that's conducive to helping them. And it doesn't have to take too much. It doesn't have to cost you a lot of money either. Just setting a few things up. Very, very leverageable to other people without costing a lot of money. That's for sure. So then we want to weave in those value propositions to them. And we do it by pulling up that dashboard, and just showing it to them. Like imagine if I'm a real estate team trying to recruit an agent from a brokerage or, or another team, and I pop up a dashboard showing this is what, you know, we meet as a team every single week, just for, you know, 30, 45 minutes. The first half of that, we just go through this dashboard and make sure everybody agents are doing what they need to do, right? And you can see down below, and the, the, these are our activities-based indicators. And down below, we look at the results-based indicators, and you can see how much my agents are selling. And you'll they'll start to see, wow, all those agents are selling a lot. You know, you can look at units closed, listings taken, whatever it may be, you know, commissions earned, GC, even their individual GCI can be on there, or their sales volume, or whatever you're comfortable with, to show... Here's the proof. They're doing it up here and, the, and, and they're producing down here. Now, a lot of that is because we provide them a lot of leads. Generally speaking, we're going to show them that the team provides them more leads than the agents are generating themselves. And that's how you recruit producing agents, right? They're like, oh, so yeah. And then there may be different commission splits. If you come over on my team, you know, you might be on a, I'm just picking numbers depending on who you are and what you provide, 70-30 commission split on all the leads you generate. But if you take a team lead, you know, it might be 50-50 and you're going to see, we give you more team leads. We always stay ahead of our agents than you're producing type of deal. And you can see the results and show them. Don't just tell them, show them the actual dashboard. And because if they see that dashboard and their eyes light up, which believe it or not, talented agents do, their eyes light up because they're self-aware. Man, I've never had that. And, and look at those results and they are getting a lot of business. They see all that. And, and then you just tell them, I just want to make sure you're okay with this because we do do this. Like you're going to have to do this stuff. And most agents don't. They just kind of wait for it to come to them. And that's why they don't get good results. And that's why all the agents on my team produce at a high level is because we do these things. So you're actually kind of disclosing to them and getting their agreement that they're going to be held accountable right there. And, and so that's before they even get in the chair and join your team. You're going to see because you've actually pulled it back. Now, actually, with talented agents, that will actually attract them. With agents that are saying, hey, I'm good. I just want a place to hang my license. And they start to see that they're going to be held accountable. They start to go the other way with this, right? And now you're going to see the ones that are going to complain, blame, and justify because they're doing it right now. They're saying, if I have to do that kind of work, I don't want to do it. So you, you, you want agents that's going to work or produce. You better be comfortable showing them that you will hold them to their word, right? And, and a good leader that creates a good, successful production-centric environment will provide some level of accountability because nothing kills culture of an organization than a leadership that's afraid to hold their people accountable. They get the respect of their leader when a leader will hold them accountable.
and is in a position to be not just a, a manager, but, but a leader and a coach too. A leader is going to take them someplace. They're going to lead them to a place they haven't been. A manager is going to manage things as they are. Big difference there. I mean, I don't care if your title is a manager. That doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean you can't be a leader too, right? So that's very, very important. So that's important to show that upfront. Let them know. Give them that that disclosure. And so now you're going to filter out a lot of agents that just have that are going to show bad attitudes later because they don't want to show that up front. They're going to say, oh, yes, I can do it. Yes, I can do it. But when they see that, they're going to realize very soon <laughs> they're going to be up on that screen, on that dashboard in front of everybody. And if they don't do any work, they're going to be big zeros next to their names and they're not going to like that. And then blaming and complaining and justifying isn't going to work. So you can filter them out right at the beginning. Okay, so don't be afraid to put a filter up. At the same time, if it's the right people, they're going to be attracted to that type of production centric environment. And that's how you can recruit agents that can be held accountable. And you will get agents in your organization that will actually work and produce income. Okay, guys, I hope that helps. Thanks for your time with me. I really appreciate it. See you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Brian Eisenhower podcast. You can learn more about ICC at EisenhowerCoaching.com. That's I-C-E-N-H-O-W-E-R.com. You can also enroll in one of our many online courses at ICCOnlineLearningCenter.com. That's ICCOnlineLearningCenter.com where you'll find the most expansive real estate training library in the industry. We also offer custom training portals for real estate teams and brokerages looking to give all of their agents access to our expansive course list of courses and training systems. Some companies even take it one step further by purchasing versions of our courses and systems that are white label branded to their specific real estate organizations. Also, be sure to subscribe to Eisenhower Coaching's YouTube channel to watch new video content that we put out each and every week. And again, be sure to join the fastest growing Facebook group for top performing real estate professionals by searching for the Real Estate Agent Roundtable Group. With all of that said, thank you again for joining us today. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Brian Eisenhower Podcast.